Today is the last day of 2018. Today is the day we record The Mexican, starring Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts for this podcast, which is This is the Pits. <laughs> it is. And uh, my name is Michael Oberst, and um, that other voice is Chelsea Greenwood. Um, hope you can tell us apart. We sound almost exactly the same. Yeah. I have to say it's a pleasure to spend the final day of 2018 podcasting with you, Michael. I wouldn't have it any other way, Chelsea Greenwood. This was the year of the pits, and I'm thrilled. It was. <laughs> it was. And, like, can you believe that we're <laughs> – all of 2019 – 2019 is going to be year of the pits because the entire year we're going to be doing it. I know. Banana pancakes. Like, we're going to – when this time next year – I wonder what movie will be on this time next year, but it's going to be about 52 movies ahead. It's going to be, like, World War Z. It might be like his newest, newest movie by then. Like we might be almost done because we've done – this is episode 19. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be almost done because so, he has 78. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wild. Fucking bananas, man. Yeah. Anyway, so we're here to talk about The Mexican, which is um, the, the name of a movie that does not really age super well. <laughs> <laughs> no. But luckily, they aren't referring to a Mexican person, which was cleared Thank up. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I no, had, me neither. I had, have you seen this? No. Yeah, so I didn't know. I was like, is this movie going to be about a guy who's just Mexican? Yeah. This is going to be awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, I, was, I didn't know what to expect from this movie. I did not hate it. Really? Mm, didn't hate it. Oh, man. I mean, I didn't. Okay, I guess I didn't hate it, but I did not think it was good. I thought it was garbage okay not garbage actually i just think there's a lot of plot holes i mean which we'll get into yeah there's a lot of plot holes there is it's that classic star power thing trying to make a movie with two stars well i had a theory that i was right about Mm -hmm. um when i was watching this which is that i was like this feels like it's it was written to be an indie movie Yep. And then they got a bunch of big movie stars. Yep. And the writing feels very like it feels like a like a high school final project, the writing. <laughs> totally. You know what? Like the the, the, so many lines the dialogue is so weird. Me too. The dialogue is just like so basic. Um but uh and then they got a bunch of money and so and so and the directing too. I was like the directing feels very uh Amateur. I don't want to say basic, but am- maybe amateur. I it guess. was amateur. Wasn't the director had just only done commercials up until this point, right? Yeah, he, he did. Yeah. The director who um, his name is. Uh, oh, God. Why do I just forget it? It's What's like his name? Inaratu. <laughs> no. <laughs> the director's name is Gore, Vib- Gore Vidal. Gore Verbinski. Verbinski. Mm. Who's Gore Vidal? Gore Vidal is a writer. Oh, Gore Verbinski had only directed uh, Stuart Little before this. No. <laughs> yeah, he directed Stuart Little. And um, he also directed that Budweiser commercial with the frogs where the they say frog. Budweiser. Yeah. Which sets the tone, if I, if I may uh, veer away from the Mexican for one second and just tell you about 2001. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about 2001. So the Budweiser frogs were a big fucking deal in 2001. That was like Super Bowl, everything in the world, everybody cared about the frogs. So that was a pretty big get for him, which led him to his career. Mm-hmm. Um, just a few things about 2001. George Bush was sworn into office. Aaliyah got into a car crash and died, plane crash and died. Oh. Wikipedia came online. Okay. A monumental moment. Monumental moment. Now we know things. Well, I mean, also, uh, that other monumental thing that happened in 2001 was 9-11. Right. I was going to save that for last because that is the only thing I think of when I think about 2001. Same. It's the most iconic 2001 thing. Like, that's what 2001 has was, become. Was, in our country at least. Um, do you remember where you were on 9-11? Uh, yes, I do. Well. Do you want me to tell you? Please. I was... <laughs> I was just a wee little lad. I feel like when I was in third grade and I feel oh like when I'm an old person, if I become, if I stay alive long enough to be an old person that people are going to be like, yeah, he was alive during ni- like he <laughs> was around when nine 11 happened, but he was only in third grade, but he was like alive. Yeah. Like the way that you talk about 
like a Holocaust survivor, you know, where, where you're like, yeah, he was alive during the Holocaust. He was seven years old, but he was totally alive during it. Like, they're going to say that about me and, and you. They're going to be like, they were alive, but just like very young. So anyway, I was in third grade. Um, and I just remember waking up because it happened before we woke up on the West Coast. Yeah, it um, happened before we woke up. Yeah, go on. I'll tell you mine after. Right. So I just woke up and my dad had the TV on. And I weirdly remember my dad being a little like he sounded inconvenienced by it, <laughs> which is so, so a thing that my dad would be where he was just he was like, oh, man. And then we just were driving and it was on the radio while we were mm-hmm. driving to school. And he was just like <laughs> he was like, oh, man, people are going to be talking about this for weeks. <laughs> and then he's like, he's like turn the radio off after saying that. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, because uh, nobody no. knew the scale of it. At the beginning, I remember waking up, my mom waking me up being like, oh my God, there's been a bombing in New York. There's a bombing in New York. And I mm-hmm. saw the first t- tower go down. But by the time I had, I was in eighth grade and I was a little pothead. Oh, so eighth you grader. really remember. I really remember. I had my first period that year was uh, photography class and I got so stoned. Oh, I thought you meant like you had your first period. I had my year. first period that year. <laughs> no, she came a few years earlier. Um cool <laughs> <laughs> great aunt Flo. um but then we, my biggest memory so so we got to school and we were in photography class and then i remember my teachers coming in like busting into the dark room and being like oh this is actually a serious thing i think we're gonna call it and everybody can go home for the day and we were so thrilled because chipotle had just opened chipotle was a new store <laughs> oh my god really mm-hmm. and so, so another 2001 monument yeah so we like got to go to chipotle in the middle of the day and like smoke drugs and <laughs> eat Chipotle and it was Dope. fun. But then even 9-11 in... best day of the year. For <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then in doing research for this, I'm like, was looking at 9-11 2001. And then I was like, Oh yeah, that fucking thing that changed the course of everything that's ever happened. To before, so. well, every now and then, like about once a year, I go on like a 9-11 deep dive. Do you yeah, do this? Totally. Where you, where you just like start watching all these videos about 9-11 and you're just like, I can't believe this happened. It's bananas. I know. So like I was, so what I do when I look up the year is I just sort of like scroll through the Wikipedia first. Uh huh. And so, you know, you, you're, I'm like scrolling through and it's like, you know, uh, Belfast Protestant loyalist begins picket of the Holy Cross. And then it's like Fast. Tokyo Disney Sea opens. And then it's like around 2,996 victims are killed <laughs> Or fatally injured on September 11th attacks. Like, so casual. It's like 2,996 people. That's so crazy. So crazy. Are hijacked. Yeah. The planes the were hijacked. The middle of New York. Downtown New York. Yeah. Fuck. It's just fucking crazy. It's it's insane. And like, yeah. Anyway, all right. This is not a 9-11 podcast. So, so when did uh, the Mexican come out in regards to 9-11? Cause... It came out later. I think it came out like December, right? Didn't, oh, didn't December shit. 9th. I just have to say, one last thing about 9-11 is, like, after 9-11, everything happens in regards to 9-11, right? Like, everything oh, yeah. is a response to that. Um, totally. No, this – sorry. This came out This came out March 2nd, um, 2001. So – Okay. So 9-11 had Way before yet. 9-11. Okay. Anyway, one last thing for 2001 to wrap it up with a po- on a positive note, which was that the iPod came out revolutionizing the way we listen to music and uh i'd also just like to take a brief moment to say that 2001 was the start of a very specific brand of pop culture we're talking paris hilton we're talking britney spears we're talking a new wave form of true gossip and i bring this up because now brad pitt is like the center of gossip obviously but the world becomes obsessed with celebrity it's almost like it's just a whole new landscape for pop culture. I just wanted to plant that seed for the next few movies. Right. So wait, Perez. So you know Perez Hilton, right? And of like, course. Everyone says Perez Hilton, like, is part of the reason that pop culture is the way it is, and. Now, I mean, as far as the way we the the, the reality shows, the really? the way we obs- yeah, the way that we obsess over. Well, have you? Okay, I'm. Sort I used of to read. Uh, I used to read Perez Hilton every single day. 
It was a his blog. blog. I used to read his blog, and it was it was like Gawker. I would I don't know because Gawker came before Perez, and Gawker Stalker used to do the same thing. May no, may he, both of those websites rest in peace. He no, he was all about celebrity culture and gossip, and he was like all over. Um, I mean, obviously Paris Hilton, and, and he was just like a shitster on purpose, mm-hmm. and like he was one of the first celebrities to like, or not the first celebrities, but like he made that a thing in popular culture where celebrities are fighting publicly in like a, a weird way. Remember before we were reading like dueling articles where these two people were just talking shit about each other in like long articles in a yeah. newspaper, and like that was weird. But like Perez Hilton made it so much more public and on TV, and like dirtier and juicier and like mm. e like e network and hollywood gossip blog and all that stuff it's like that's what he kind of yeah made that's so interesting on. that makes sense he's you since apologized say, yeah well who cares i mean um, he's an annoying person speaking of pop culture though just really briefly i was in la last week and i we, remember I you that. and i got together and we had a few drinks and we ha- we both had this moment where we were like, wait, are Brad and 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 Jennifer getting back together? And we actually oh, yeah. had to go Google that because the fucking media insists upon insistence that they're getting back together. It's kind of crazy how not only do they insist that they're getting back together, but they are having are, a baby. <laughs> they're having a baby now. Like before it was like secret relationship. And then it was like secret engagement. Now it's like now they're having a baby. And like what the fuck? None of it is true, but yeah. they have full-blown created an entire narrative but what if it is true there's a little seed in me that would just love a rekindling after both their failed marriages you know because again when this movie was made he really really loved her they know that every interview every interview is like he's like jennifer aniston is the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me and she's so special and i love her so much and everybody's just like she's so wonderful he's so wonderful what a perfect couple they are Getting, I mean, is it next episode or the one after that that we are going to? I believe it's next. So what we were talking about doing, listeners, is, um, uh, mom, mom. Here's <laughs> let me just tell you what we were thinking of doing. Um, instead of watching Ocean's Eleven next, which is his next film. Oh no, it's Spy Game and then Friends. Yes, and then yes, yes, Friends yes, yes. We talked about. This. So anyway, we talked about this. So we're, we're gonna, gonna do, do a Friends, the Friends episode. It's even though it's only half an hour, we're gonna dedicate a whole episode to it and we're just going to kind of like talk about their relationship so get ready for that yes um Um, all right we can go back to the mexican now okay great uh side note quick little sidebar recommendation meme the american meme i hear it's great it's pretty good and but that's sort of where i got that thing about perez hilton i think they sort of talk about that in that they Mm. talk about paris hilton's career and how big she got in 2000 like the early 2000s specifically 2001 she had that vanity fair photo shoot i think 2000 or something and um she was the biggest deal also reality tv was sort of like that was the height like the simple life scripted tv is back in a big way but there was like from 2001 to 2000 Eight, ten, even there was no scripted television it was all right. reality all the time i'm so glad oh that's over me too but i i really want to make a reality show that has that because those shows were so i mean some of them were hot garbage yeah but some of them were really creative like remember minute to win it that show was fun remember the swan oh my god oh fucking a that was there the were so best. many there were so many like remember the obsession with american idol like that was going on back then too yeah so like yeah exactly 2001 was like pop culture shifted yeah it was it for was. american idol was 2001 i believe that was so. when kelly clarkson won right yep that's exactly when kelly clarkson won. for a moment like this some <laughs> people wait a lifetime no 2002 but it started i think in 2001 my point Whatever. is the politi- the popular culture landscape shifted. Yes. Around okay. this time. Now we've got Mr. Hollywood and Mrs. Hollywood, Brad Pitt and mm-hmm. Julia Roberts. They're literally the biggest stars. They yep. have been friends for 17 years. They were friends both when they were struggling actors. And Aww. they had been looking for a movie to make. And Julia was like, I'm going to find a movie to star alongside Brad in. So she found this script which was supposed to be an independent movie for the Mexican. But the second you put Brad Pitt and Jennifer, Jennifer Aniston and Julia Roberts together, 
you now have a big budget film on your hands. Right. It's interesting that you say that about um... <laughs> <laughs> Gore Verbinski. <laughs> no, it's interesting that you say that about about Julia Roberts getting attached to this movie because I read that uh, a different interview that Gore Verbinski had was working on this script with J.H. Wyman and he asked his good friend David Fincher yes. um, if he could possibly get Brad Pitt interested in this movie because yes. he wanted to bring some star power to the movie. Yeah. And David so, Fincher was originally supposed to direct this movie and can you imagine if he did? It doesn't make any sense. I know, right? But like it's it's David Fincher was hot. He had just done Seven and Fight Club. He was like the guy. Yeah, but, this but movie a script this like not... this, I mean this is this there's this is a very basic, you know, romp. Well, you know who else was supposed to direct this movie? Kevin Reynolds, who directed Waterworld. Oh my god, biggest deal of the world. Yeah, which was the worst movie, but the best part of going to Universal Studios. Um, so, so Brad Pitt is, gets the script um, from Gore Verbinski, and his his agent, his Brad Pitt's manager, decides to send the script to Brad Pitt's longtime friend, Julia Roberts. And Brad Pitt's on the fence about it. He's not sure if he wants to do it, but Julia Roberts reads it and she's like immediately interested. And when she signs on, everyone starts calling her the Julia factor. And they say when Julia is, it was much easier to get Brad Pitt on. And once Julia's in, you can call up James Gandolfini, who is the love of my life. Mm, And especially in this movie, huh? I mean, Oh, and he's gay. And he's a little gay man. He's a gay man. I was not expecting that. I loved it. Me neither. But it was so it was so forced. (laughs) It was so it was it was very forced. But she's like, you're a homosexual. She's like, are you gay? (laughs) No, she's like, are you gay? He's like, I've been happy. And she's like, I've been a homosexual. And then he falls, and then he inexplicably falls head over heels with the post guy over one night. <laughs> In one night stand. And he's like. Where he handcuffs her to the bed. It's so strange. I mean, this movie is so bizarre. Yeah. Anyway. But anyways, so the Julia factor is Julia Roberts is involved. And now, and you know, Gore Verbinski just keeps saying how like, I can't believe we got, like you usually get either Julia Roberts or Brad Pitt. Yeah. You do not get both. Right. Which I think was a curse for this movie because I think yeah. that I mean the star power was split. The star the star power was split, and it was just like it wasn't. This is not the kind of movie that needs two big stars like that because it's not a serious fucking thing. It's like I don't know. I liked it because I was I didn't. I guess I wasn't expecting it to be a comedy, so it was nice that it was a comedy. But it didn't need to be Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts. It could have been literally any other two people. And it would have been better because I wouldn't be expecting more, if that makes sense. Yeah. Did you notice that it's basically Mexican Snatch? 100%. Because it's like the same story. It's a it's comedy a, of errors. It's a comedy of errors where they're all, everyone's trying to go after this one item that has like a uh, lore. legend attached to it. Yeah. Like lore. Yeah. And everyone's going after it. And there's like fun editing. And it's kind of quirky. And there's like casual hyperviolence and yeah 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 yeah. casual hyperviolence is a great i'm gonna write that down i i was thinking about also the dog was gonna take the gun i thought the dog was gonna take the gun okay let's talk about the dog yeah the dog dog that dog was my favorite part of the movie (laughs) of course he was get this (laughs) because he was a mad little guy he was a mad little guy but he was actually a golden retriever that they trimmed and dyed to play I know. what i saw that too so fucking weird why would you just not get a fucking ratty ass dog because golden retrievers are so easy to train yeah, and they're like, very nice there's a whole world of animal trainers in hollywood you know i don't know i just like don't torture the poor thing but he was a real cute guy and he said i like my ball <laughs> <laughs> he did he loved his ball even though it was so flat but he didn't want to share it so he's it was, um, I wanted more from the dog. I wanted more from the dog. I was glad the dog survived. I was sad that James Gandolfini didn't. Um, another thing I'd yeah. like to point out about this movie is that there were four Oscar winners in the cast. Oh, really now? It's like, dude, chill out. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't. I guess they hadn't all won at that point, but still, we don't need that. Who are we talking about? Brad Pitt wins an Oscar for producing later. Uh, Julie Roberts wins Best Actress like twice or something, right? Yeah, she won twice. Um, here, I'll tell you exactly who they are. Well, Julia Roberts, I'm seeing, has only won one Oscar, and it's Best Actress for Aaron Brockovich, which I love. And which came, which came out came the same year. Right. It came out just before this. And um, Brad Pitt talks about, like, nonstop about how amazing she was in that movie and how he actually does research in acting. The way, Like, he watches her over and over again in that movie to do research for his roles. Which I thought was oh, interesting. Oh, I know how boring it is to read a quote word for word, but I have such a good one from the from the director Gore Verbinski about Brad Pitt. What are you doing? I just remembered who the two other people who won Oscars were. Oh, who? Gene Hackman. Oh, great. And J.K. Simmons. Oh, J.K. Simmons! Mm. I loved seeing him in this. It was so surprising. It's fun to see him not play like a super dickhead, like. Someone with a sense of humor. It's shocking. Literally. Yeah. He has hair. He doesn't look like a dickhead. No, he looks like young and vibrant. And I actually really liked well, him in vibrant, this. Vibrant, maybe not. He Did, looks were like, you attracted to him? No, but he, he looks like he's made out of dough, like Play Doh. He, he could, does. You he, could mold he looks, his face. He looks like a melted candle. Yeah. You could just, you know, <laughs> like you could pinch him with your fingers and like you could leave an imprint of your fingers on his head. Yeah, he looks claymation. Exactly. Anyway, what's your quote? Um, this is a real rambling. <laughs> I know it's fine. We're all uh, over the place. Well, he he was talking about the difference between the way Brad Pitt and Julia Roberts work together. Who was the director? The director. He was he was doing an interview, um, and he he was saying like the there's a the difference between Julia and Brad's working philosophy is that Brad is a natural talent and there's an, an intuitive thing that happens something he nurtures which is enjoyable to watch blossom he's willing to try anything and Julia is like a female Gene Hackman she's will, she gets it right in two takes and if you want something different you'd better talk about it with her right then cuz she comes to play she's on time don't call her to set if you're not ready and mm. then he says I know. And it's like, oh, I love that. And I can mm-hmm. see that. I can see that in her. I guess the trunk scene was the first thing that she saw, that, that she shot. So oh, like, when she was in the trunk. When she gets out of the trunk and screaming, like that's the first thing that her, she shot. And so on the first day, they were like, okay, well, here we go. And she like came out guns blazing. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, this bitch Literally. is serious. Yeah. So then he says, Brad's very ambitious. He comes to set with an idea of what he wants to do. And while storyboarding can be productive, you have to be prepared to throw it in the trash because he just shows up and says, I don't want to sit in that chair. And suddenly you're saying, okay, so now we have to do this handheld. And the shot that you thought of last night where you're going to come through the window and focus on him in the chair, chuck it. He might end up back in the chair, but try it his way. And we have to respect his process. That's interesting. So they have have different styles. They're both – they both take it very seriously and they both – get deep into their characters but like the way they do it is very different where julia roberts comes and she's like i know what i'm doing and i know what you want me to do and we're doing that brad pitt's like let's see how we feel <laughs> yeah which i mean you can see that which i get but so here's the thing about that if you're friends with the director and you're like i want to sit in this other chair and the director's like great i'll move i'll go to handheld i mean because you have to right. understand like before these scenes are set before the actors are even remotely close to set right the cameras are replaced. They're run-throughs. There's lights. It's like everything changes if one little thing changes. So you better oh, fucking like your di- your director. Better fucking respect and like you. I would hate that. What this else? one director that I worked with, um, who is now a good friend of mine, who his name is H.P. Mendoza, and we just made a movie, and it's really good. But H.P. was great because some things always change on set inevitably, mm-hmm. and. When when things would change, HP was so good at at uh, just being like, okay, here's what, the like, flow. he knew how to like adapt to every single problem, and that. it was it was like something that I didn't even realize that I loved in a director because I've never seen a director adapt that quickly and that mm. well. Because most directors, it takes time to deal with this shit, which is why things go over budget and take longer than they're supposed to. Production in general, nothing ever goes right. Um, nothing goes right unless. That being you're said, though, I miss it. it. I don't do it anymore, and I miss it. That's it. I know. I'm excited to start doing it again soon, hopefully. Anyway, um, so this movie, now that we've sort of talked about the, how it comes together, 
Um, oh, DreamWorks. So it's a DreamWorks movie. It got picked up by DreamWorks. They We're went through a few so, This is the worst oh, podcast we've ever made. <laughs> no, I think it's good. I think we're, I think I'm it's, keeping we're this fun. in. Yeah. We're fun. We're exhausted. It's great. We're exhausted. Um, it's the last day of 2018. The last day of 2018. And you know what? I'm going to give it minimal effort. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, I'm going to really phone it in, sis. <laughs> uh, I did think that this movie was like, so 2001 in the the wardrobe like oh my god it's interesting that you would say that because okay so i watched this movie with my mom and dad in la yeah they were like oh my god something we can all do together hey mom and dad hope you're listening (laughs) um but my dad brought up a good point he was like this could be the 70s 80s or the 90s like it takes a while before you realize that they're in the 2000s and can i just point out what fucking version of mexico that was the nacho libre version of mexico yeah i mean it was a romp it was like a it was so weird like beautiful though i want to go there it was sure yeah it was beautiful but like it that could have been 1940 or it could have been 1970 like it's yeah that's my point Mexico was like and i don't know if mexico like what image are they painting of mexico you know what i mean this like romantic dusty stupid it's like romantic and dumb yeah it's like like basically speedy fucking gonzalez it's pretty problematic actually it's it's a little problematic yeah but it's, I mean, yeah it was beautiful and it's fun to kind of fantasize that that's what mexico is like but it's also a little bit uh um what do you call it not demeaning but uh condescending it's a, yeah it's condescending it's but it's such a 2000 we have to forgive it because it's a that was 2001 man that would that's they would what, never get away with that now never ever ever um, no but Dr. Libre barely gets away with it but you're right about the costumes Oh yeah, those, he had so those blue sunglasses Ugh. with like a, a shark tooth necklace and like cargo oh, he shorts. He was wearing his puka shell necklaces. I was like, this is the worst I've ever seen him look. Yeah, same. But the um, opening shot, the first time we see him, he's topless. Oh yeah. So Smart I wrote up. that down, of course. Yeah. And the very first scene is a of a sign of Laurel Terrace on Ventura Boulevard. Mm-hmm. That is like one mile from where I grew up. Like that is like my house. Oh really? House. And so oh, I sitting... was wondering about that. Yeah. I was like. Yeah. No, in it's in the valley. It's so I'm sitting there with my mom and my dad in the valley, home for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the very first shot is like a sign I drive by every single time I'm in LA multiple times. And I was like, okay, I'm in on this. Um something I liked was the palette, the color palette was orange Me too. and green. I did like it. Yeah. That's that, the color like, I'm painting my house. That's my that's my house's color palette. Yeah. But you don't have orange in there. And I thought that was a good palette for Brad. Mm-hmm. It is. It's. I like that. Because when you put orange and green together, things feel a little bit disorienting mm-hmm. and a little bit and hot. It's that contrast, baby. Temperature hot. Like, yeah. Um, exactly. So I think the palette was beautiful. I thought it looked great. The number one glaring problem for me in this movie was the length really 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 didn't need it to be two hours (laughs) no it does not need to be that long my glaring problem was the script um which leads me to my first note about the script which was julia roberts throwing his stuff out the balcony and saying (laughs) i i i i it's always about you (laughs) and it was like like okay a a fucking (laughs) 10th grader wrote this this is a high school performance i had that feeling every single moment Every single moment until James Gandolfini, unless James Gandolfini is on screen, I'm watching a senior thesis of a movie. James Gandolfini is the best actor in this movie. 100%. And every review I read, even the bad ones, were like, there's one thing. Like, James Gandolfini comes into the screen, he makes the movie good, he leaves the screen, the movie goes back to being bad again. I didn't think it was bad, though. I mean, I was entertained, considering it was two hours I was entertained. Yeah. I... I did take a uh, hour long break to cook and eat dinner. Yeah. But fair enough. Uh it didn't I was I was entertained. I I I was there for the whole thing. Yeah. Um Also but Brad Pitt's performance acting wise though, he was going back and forth between being very good and very bad. Yeah, you know, I wrote a note that was I thought that this was his first sort of foray into the um, Inglorious Bastards burn after reading type movies where it's like he's such an exaggerated character and it's like a, a romp it's like a it's like nothing based in reality right if that makes sense like it's like he was trying yeah. on that character those that, those boots that he ends up doing really well later on in his career yeah 
Well, I also think that he enjoys playing the lovable loser. Yeah. And, you know, he had just done Fight Club where he was the lovable villain. Yeah. And he had, and he's getting pretty close to doing Burn After Reading where he's a really lovable loser. And lovable loser in Ocean's Eleven. Like, he's, he's good at that role. And I yeah. think he's kind of figuring out that he's not a dramatic addict actor. Mm-mm. He's not necessarily a comedic actor, but he's good at playing someone he's who's goofy. got He's good at the goof. He's good at the goof. He's good at the tongue in cheek. Yeah. And I, read... I think he's discovering that right now. Totally. That's what I mean. Like, I think this is his first of like, oh, I don't have to take myself seriously. I'm starring alongside Julia Roberts. We're the biggest um, stars in the world. And like, I can just be whoever the fuck I want to be. Um, I watched an interview with him, though, where he was like, he was like, I really liked the idea of being the exact opposite of Steve McQueen. Like someone who mm, thought that they were yeah. as cool, but who everything in the world goes badly for. And like, you know, Steve McQueen has Bullet and he has El Camino, which I love an El Camino. Give me I an, love El Camino. an El Camino. I want one so bad. Yeah. Um, he, Brad Pitt, I, I want an El Camino that has those, those dangly thingies mm-hmm. in the, um, mm-hmm. those dangling little balls. Mm-hmm. And I want a leopard print seat, but at this point, I'm starting to see leopard print everywhere, and I think I can't do leopard print as hard as I want to anymore because now everyone else is doing it. That's um, bullshit, Michael. Go with your guts. Do your leopard print thing because yeah. in three years, not everybody's going to be doing it, and you'll still be the unique gay on the block. You know, it's not about being a unique gay. It's Actually, that's 100% what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to phrase it, but that's just it's, it hurts how accurate that was. That's what it was. <laughs> not that you should be defined by who you choose to sleep with but i'm in la now now i want to be a unique gay (laughs) a unique gay man that's what i would call you a seaman as some would say (laughs) yeah okay but what i was gonna say is is he well i can't remember what i was gonna say i had something real good to add to the conversation but it's just gone now great i have a non sequitur um, that will only take one line and maybe you can think about what you need to say julia roberts's mouth is so big oh my god it's the biggest mouth I've ever seen. It's, it's a huge her mouth. Her and, uh, oh, fuck, what's his name? You don't the know anybody's from, names. <laughs> I don't know anyone's names. I, I'm l- lucky that I remembered my own name for the intro. Uh, the guy from Spider-Man, the original. Toby Maguire? No, no. Think Big Mouth. Nick Kroll? <laughs> Willem Dafoe. Oh, yeah, baby. I love his face. I was just talking about Willem Dafoe this morning. Anywho, uh, one other thing I'd like to point out is um, okay. this is the third movie we've sh- we've watched with the shootout at the end. This is the third movie, or this is the second movie that we've watched where James Gandolfini tries to kill Brad Pitt. Yeah, and there's another one coming. They yeah. do three are, movies together. Are they on the same? They do three movies together, but are they on the same team in Killing Them Softly? I Couldn't think know. Might be. Never heard of it. And then he's been in movies with Julia Roberts three more times after this dang because we got the oceans um so, so here's a here's a question i have for you yeah i noticed in one scene that julia roberts flushed the toilet after she stood up and pulled her pants up mm-hmm. and then i realized that's i don't do that i stand up first <laughs> flush then pull my pants up michael what state of intoxication were you in when watching this movie i was super high <laughs> I smoked a lot of weed and I had to pause. I literally paused the movie when that happened. And I was like, wait, what's the normal order? Because it feels weird to, it both feels weird to pull your pants up and like put your pants back on while there's just a dookie floating in the toilet next to you. But it also feels weird to stand up and flush while you're like naked, basically. You know, so I don't know which one is the right one. I think it depends on what act you've just done. <laughs> if I've just peed, I will stand up, button oh, up, yeah. flush. Maybe not even flush. Sometimes Ma- I don't flush when I pee. Ma- oh, at my house, I'll flush every third pee. <laughs> Same. If it, it's like what? If it's... if it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, yeah, if it's brown flush, flush it, down. it down. Duh. Yeah, same. But one I time think... I, when I was a kid, that was a thing in Santa Cruz because there was a water shortage one time. And somehow I got confused by that phrase and I <laughs> and I did not flush the brown down. <laughs> and my uncle walked into the bathroom and he just started cracking up. <laughs> because it was, so, it was just like funny to – and also 
Why is it funny to not flush poop when you know somebody that is your friend is going into the bathroom? I don't think it's you? funny. I think it's re- disgusting, and I hate. I think poop. it's so funny when I know if like someone I know is going into the same bathroom after me, I purposely <laughs> won't flush that. They that is a lie. <laughs> Look at it. I've done it. I've done it. Okay, I did it once, but still, it was funny. <laughs> that is funny. I, I mean, I guess if it's a if it's a gag, I'm not worried about seeing a, a friend's poop. But like, I don't like what seeing we, strangers poop. What is this podcast? <laughs> Where are we going? I'm sorry I asked that question. This is a dumb podcast. Let's... I love it. And I could listen. Ain't nobody gotten this far anyway. We've been rambling too much. Um, okay. So um, I, I hear the line. We actually have not talked about this movie at all. Not really. Um, Gandolfini with. A, okay. Here's two things that I have to say. Gandolfini with a goatee looks like Louis C.K. I hate Louis C.K. It's so sad. Oh, my God. I hate him so much right now. I can't believe how much it of a sucks Have you seen what I he's done? Him. No, but something happened. I, I've seen his name trending. What happened? Oh, yeah. he. Okay, so he. someone recorded a stand-up special or a stand-up like, thing that he was doing just to like add an open mic or whatever. And um, he was saying he was just bashing millennials and just like making fun of people who identify as like gender neutral. Oh no, and no, no. He, who how the mighty have fallen. I know, he's turning into Dennis Miller and then he uh he bashed uh those kids at the Parkland High School who were like standing up for gun rights and he was like no one cares what you have to say just because you were at a high school where someone else got shot. You didn't do it. You just pushed a fat kid in the way and then hid. I was like, dude, no, you can't. <laughs> no, you cannot. He's like, He's that's not even open. funny. I would, I would, if it was a funny joke, I would excuse it. Well, that's the thing about comedy is like, it's if it's funny, it's not offensive. Yeah. But Oof. if it's not funny, then it's just depressing. And so now he's a right-wing comic, apparently. Like, some people are going to love <laughs> Jesus it. Jesus, fuck. Um, remember how we're doing a podcast about a movie called The Mexican that we haven't talked about once? Never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> Literally haven't seen it. <laughs> um... Uh, Here's a line that I liked. Oh, yeah. I'm going to keep hogging the mic. <laughs> yeah, please take Here's it away. Here's a line that I like. Uh, Brad Pitt says, I'm American. And the cop says, <laughs> I'm Mexican. And Brad goes, cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's like such a random interaction. He just says, cool. cool. <laughs> um, did you believe in their love? Um, <laughs> uh. No, only because it, the dialogue between them was so forced feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It felt like they were both just like acting. You know? Did you believe in the love between her and James Gandolfini when they were getting to know each other? Yes. Me too. That one I 100% was into. Mm-hmm. I, I would have watched a buddy movie with just those two. Honestly, that would have been the better movie. It would have. We they didn't need the whole seen... gun thing. I mean, I liked it. Can you clear something up for me too? When he shoots the gun, was there like a secret wedding ring in it? I don't know. They never explained that. I thought we were going to get another flashback to like the guy hiding the ring in the gun, but all of a sudden there was a ring in the gun. We also haven't even talked about how it doesn't even make sense how this movie starts. What do you mean? Like, so, what is even the thing, the catalyst that sparks all? Like, I'll Brad tell Pitt you. did something. Brad Pitt was crashed into Gene Hackman's car, and when he crashed into Gene Hackman's car it exposed that he had had a body in the back of the car. So, right, so uh, Brad Pitt crashes into Gene Hackman's car, and he's an idiot. And Gene Hackman's like, well, I'm going to prison now because of you. You owe me five favors or whatever. And so now Brad Pitt has been under Gene Hackman's, who's a mob boss's thumb, and this is supposed to be the last thing, to get him out from under the thumb so that he gotcha. and Julia Roberts can, be, can live happily ever after. She wants to move okay. to Vegas, but, like, Clear plot hole, absolutely. Yeah, because it was confusing, and suddenly there's this gun, and like she's, I'm like, I was like, wow, that beginning moved too fast, and I don't understand. I don't think the things that happened at the beginning made enough sense to cause the whole movie to happen. Do you know what I mean? Right, but then they reveal it at the end that like Gene Hackman's cellmate. I mean, it's like becomes this moral thing. The stakes are just not high enough for us to give a fuck. That being said. It's fun to watch a comedy of errors hung over with your parents at home. Yeah. It's nice to see those colors. It's fun to see Brad. I mean, he was the worst actor in the movie. He was. He didn't do very good. But he didn't he do was bad. Trusting the, he was trusting the writer too much. He was yeah. trusting the script too much. 
and I feel like some of the lines were It's weren't. actually such a weird movie for him to make, don't you think? Yeah, uh, no, I think it's pretty much on par with what he was cuz like 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 we said before, he was um I think he was kind of discovering that he's not exactly a com- comedic actor, but that he does have comedic chops and that he does well playing a goofier version of himself. Right. Which is going to be interesting when we get to like Benjamin Button because we haven't seen him in a serious role in a bit. Which I think, That's oh, far yeah. Off. Well, that movie's fucking bizarre, but he. <laughs> um, Great concept. Not sure about the execution. Haven't seen it. Can't wait. <laughs> he. He just, yeah, I guess the best way to put it is just he just trusted the script too much because he, he's just a silly little guy. And I think he does, he didn't think that the Thelma and Louise role <laughs> that he had, what? I just imagine him. No, I just, ha- I just, no, I just imagine him listening to this podcast and hearing you say, he's just a silly little guy. <laughs> he's just a silly little guy. I mean, like, what is. the fuck would Brad Pitt think about this podcast? That's when he would click it off and then sit, he would just, He'd be stuck in traffic. He'd hear me say, he's just a silly little guy. And he'd click it off and he would just sit in traffic in silence for the rest oh, of the ride. I just want him to watch, to listen to one episode. I want him to confirm or deny our theories. We need to have an episode that's just us to Brad, where we just talk to 1, him. 1,000% I'm writing that down. Us? Like where we just say, look, Brad. Our and final our, episode. Our final episode, exactly. Yeah. And then we'll come back every now and then. Hey, Brad, um, how you doing? Because, like, I'm saying Brad's happily in love right now. Currently in real life? or Well, in no, this while he's making period. this movie, he's currently in love with Jennifer Aniston, but maybe he's not. Maybe they're fighting. Maybe she's... Oh, my God, this is a funny thing I've been wanting to say for months. Okay, what? It's a shame. Should I save it for an episode where people are going to listen? <laughs> I'll say yeah. it now. So uh, I started a podcast called This is the Pits. It's about Brad Pitt. And I told my sister that, and she was like, ugh, I just I cannot stand Brad Pitt. He is the least attractive person in the world. I don't know why people care about him. And I was like, whoa, this is like a very, like, she was seethingly mad about the fact that Brad Pitt, that people found him to be attractive. And I'm like, Taylor, listen, like, you don't have to like him, but you can't deny that he's attractive. He is a yeah. Madonna. Like, he is an attractive yeah. guy. He may not be your type, but, like, come on. He's attractive. Yeah. He's neither of our type. We don't even like Brad Pitt, but we can admit... <laughs> We know, I mean, I'll admit when he looks hot. Exactly. She goes, well, I think it all stems back to this traumatic experience I had where I watched him on a morning talk show when we were kids around this time when he was married to Jennifer Aniston and someone asked him, like, are you and Jennifer Aniston in love? How comfortable are you with each other? And he was like, we're so comfortable with each other that we break wind in front of each other. He said break wind. Taylor said. Any man who says break wind is not attractive to me. <laughs> she has Fair. never, she's never let it die. Every time I'm like, I talk about Brad Pitt a lot, obviously, because we do yeah. this. She's like, ugh, but he said break wind on national television. <laughs> Fair. I mean, that's completely valid. It is a very stupid choice of words. Break but wind. Ew. It doesn't make any less fascinating as a person. Yeah, but don't you think like he would never say the word fart no, or pass wouldn't. gas even? He would break wind. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. You know, what the fuck? I think that's so funny. Okay, we need to... <laughs> the music in this movie was good. I liked it. Music was good. I liked um, that theme, that like one... Yeah. Although... They... I feel like they wanted this movie to be an action movie really badly, and so they had these weird action driving scenes that were completely unnecessary. They wanted it to be a rom-com, a com, an action movie, and like a mob movie. And it yeah. didn't really do anything, uh, any of those things successfully. Yeah. Um, How much did it cost? It? Let's, let's get into the numbers. Okay, let's do numbers. Um, so... Oh. What was... I've heard multiple things. Sorry, 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 sorry. Say that again. Uh, I have heard multiple things mm-hmm. about the budget. Um, I heard from one source that the budget sans the actor's salaries was $15 million. And then I heard on IMDb that the total estimated budget was $57 million. So that means that the combined actor's salaries was like $35 million. For all of the actors? Just the actors, yeah. 
That makes sense. That sounds about right. Because there was a lot of like high-profile actors in that movie. It was a great cast. Yeah, good cast. Bad script. It's, it's because of Julia Roberts. When Julia Roberts and Brad Pitt sign on to a movie, it doesn't matter how good the script is. Everyone's going to want to do it. Yeah. Um, I hate that. But I'm glad they did it. I'm not mad that they made this movie. So I know it was number one, it's opening week, but did it make any money? Um, it did a little bit. So yeah, it was, it was number one uh, when it opened in March. Um, it went up against C-Spot Run, which also opened that weekend. Oh my and God. It beat it. Um, it's opening I mean, weekend thank it, God. <laughs> what if it didn't beat C-Spot Run? It, it, <laughs> that's not a good sign. No. Um, I remember when C-Spot Run came out. Yeah, it was in 2001. <laughs> oh, was it? <laughs> March of 2001. <laughs> wow, why do you know so much about C-Spot Run, nerd? Um, I, that, I guess this is the first time I remember when a movie came out that we're talking about. Hmm, that I specifically remember it being in the theaters. That's funny. You're a little tiny chicken boy. I was. Anyway, it made $20 million its opening weekend. Its total domestic gross was $66.8 million, just barely making back its money, if its budget was, in fact, $57 million. Um, its worldwide gross was $147.84 million. So it did okay. It made its money back. Mm. It did not do super well. It didn't do okay for a Brad Pitt, Julia Roberts, though. They were expecting way more than that. Yeah, it made them as, as much as about... Uh, it made about as much as a hit indie movie would make. Yeah, except for this is a big budget. It's it's a big, but it was it's it feels like an indie movie the way it's written and the way the story like what the story is it feels kind of amateurish. You know what I right. mean? Right, and it's totally lost to the sands of time. No, nobody remembers this movie. No, we've been doing the last few weeks. We've had pe- movie. We've done movies that people still remember and talk about. Even Meet Joe Black, people remember and talk about. Nobody ever talks about the Mexican. Meet Joe Black, I have never heard about this. So Mexican, many people like in my heard. so many people in my life are like, oh my god, I watch Meet Joe Black all the time. Very strange. So weird. Uh let's do ratings, huh? Okay. Um well, yeah, so you tell me your ratings or well, the, the ratings of the people. So IMD Bizzle gives it a six point one out of ten. Okay. Uh it's a fifty five percent on Rotten Tomatoes, forty three percent on Metacritic. Uh, at 83% on Google, and then Entertainment Weekly. 83 on Google? Well, Google, I need to stop doing that review because it's never been below 75 on Google. It's it's such a toss-up. Like, it's just, like, it doesn't matter the movie. Everyone just rates it high. So, sorry, what what is our friend? I bet you Entertainment Weekly loved this movie. What do you think? I think they, they gave it a A-. minus. C+. Plus. Oh, really? And I have to say, I might be on their train. They only gave it that plus. They only gave it above a D because they were obsessed with Gandolfini. They thought he did such an amazing job. And like the whole I, review is just about how Gandolfini is a genius. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I love James Gandolfini. And I don't just say that because I know you just think he's my type, but he's not. He's not and- your type. There's a couple other people in this movie that you were t- that were your type, though. I'll tell you that much. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> I just think James Gandolfini is such a good actor, and I'm obsessed with The Sopranos, so yeah. I love him in everything that I see him in. He did a great uh, job. I mean, the 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 award winning factor of this movie for me was their their romance, their relationship. Their yeah, their their chemistry. Did you know that he? Although it was strange. There, I mean, I have to say. Although I love them together and I love their relationship, I, I did find it odd that a professional hitman would bond so much with her and that she would bond so much with him. She gets, she gets like full-blown Stockholm. They were kindreds. Mm, whatever. I don't know. I didn't 100% buy that. He opened up but, to her in a way he couldn't open up to anybody else. And because he opened up to her, he was able to fall in love with his one-night stand. Who then? Here's the thing. So the other hitman pushed the postman. He didn't commit yeah. suicide, right? Correct. Okay. Um. Did you know James Gandolfini tried to quit halfway through filming because he thought that he was doing a bad job? Oh, my sweet boy. He also yeah. lost 15 pounds for this role and then had to gain it back no, to the Sopranos. 35. 35. And then gained he it lost... back because the Sopra- the producers of The Sopranos said, our audience would not like a skinny Tony Soprano. And then he died of a heart attack, so fuck you. Yeah, fuck you, Sopranos, for killing him. Um, let's do our ratings. Gotcha. Um, okay. So, what? why don't you go first? What are we starting with? Um, movie overall. 
Actually, let's start with looks. We always start with movie overall first. Uh, Brad Pitt's looks. Ugh. Yeah. So he had started off with like this blonde mullet, and then it got increasingly. My mom, my mom's one comment after it because she's a huge fan. She was like, "Did you notice that his hair like went from being bleached blonde to like completely streaky? There was no consistency in his hairstyle. It was ugly. This it was. is like not good for him. I, his hair, his glasses, the puka shells. I'm gonna give him like a four. Yeah, that's a that's about what I was thinking too. Like, yeah. a, like he's not ugly, and it's not great though. I might give him a three. Honestly, I think because compared a... to like how good he looks, because that's what we're we're rating him based on how good he can look. And yeah. this is not a good look. So like, I don't even think I think four is too high. I'm I wasn't even for one second attracted to him. So I think you're right. I'm gonna go with the three too. Okay. Um, and then. His performance, yeah, not great. Five. Oh, yeah. I'm. I was thinking four, but yeah, that's the same neighborhood. I'm gonna give him a five because I think because he is getting comfortable with that goofiness. Like he wasn't bad. He wasn't horribly bad. Like we've seen him be really bad. That's true. This isn't bad. Bad. It's just not that great. And you know what? He. I'll give him a five too. That's actually. You're right. A five. <laughs> We're really agreeing with each other. Yeah. And then movie overall. Uh, I'll give a six. <clears throat> That's what I was going to say, too. Yeah, well, six. we're in alignment. Cool. So what's our next movie, Spy Game? Spy Game, which I don't know anything about, but it seems like a real romp. Literally never heard of it. Can't wait to watch it and talk about it next week. Happy 20. Action, crime, thriller with oh. Robert Redford. Oh, yeah. He loves Robert Redford. He does. So... That's that. That's this is the pits for 2018. Can yeah, you believe, we've I done. Mean, by it. the time we're releasing this, it's going to be halfway through uh, January. But um, it's our last episode of 2018, and it's our 19th episode, so that works out well. Oh, perfect. That means our 18th cool. episode, Fight Club, is coming out in two days. Yeah. So yeah. you guys know where we are. <laughs> we're really far behind. Anyway, it's been real. Uh, follow us on socials and uh, tune in next week. Love you. Bye. Bye.